0: Welcome to Spirituality Matters, and now I invite you to settle in into that sacred space between here where I am and there where you are, and let us be reminded that the holy transcends our physical bodies and our time together is just as sacred and meaningful as if we were sitting beside one another. Okay, let's get started. Today's podcast is entitled The Blessing and the Curse. Of ancestors. Okay, so first of all, I'm going to start by saying that I'm not in my normal recording space. If you're if you're watching this on uh, YouTube, you'll see that I'm in it. What is our guest bedroom? You wouldn't know that, and you can also see I've got a little visitor back there. Let's see how how good he is during this. And off to the side, if it's not cut off, you can see my beloved aunt's doll. She was a doll collector, and I just put that out for the the fall, just to be reminded of her. We're coming up on her birthday, and I wanted to have something to remember remember her by. Long story short, um, our basement flooded. Uh, We are fortunate enough to have the resources and the insurance to take care of all of that, but it also gives us the opportunity to take care of some things in other parts of our house from a really, really bad contractor experience from a couple of years ago. So we're taking that opportunity. And my normal recording place sounds like a cave because I've had to move everything out from it. So this was a more welcoming place with a little bit better audio. So I hope you feel that as my dog settles in or he knows what I'm getting ready to do, I think. So he's like, oh Lord, this is going to take a while before I go get my walk. So (laughs) we'll see how this goes. But this week has been interesting on so many levels. I actually began to write this blog and was going to record this podcast uh, discussing Christian nationalism Uh, for obvious reasons. That's a concern of mine right now. And I I teach about this quite often, especially in social media. I've done quite a few videos and they are getting uh, lots of engagement shared hundreds of times because it's resonating with people. And they know that We have to, as I say in my videos, stay awake, use your voice and uh, vote, get involved. And now we're starting to talk about what does getting involved look like. But something happened this week that shifted my priority. I'm still, of course, talking a great deal about Christian nationalism on my social media platforms. But for here, I wanted to share something that happened. And so I hope that you take this shift as something that I feel like is sacred and spiritual. And this, what happened, it just jostled me to the core. I felt like uh, something shifted inside of me. And I think its relevance in my life deserves light. And I also think it will help you on your journey. Um, Now the blog itself, it's a pretty long one. Someone told me that Carla, it's almost a chapter, a book, and maybe someday it will be included in a book in in some ways. Who knows? There's a lot of discussion going on in in the background right now. And I'm very excited about someday. I'll be able to tell you more about that, but I also think it can help you peel back um, some layers of your deconstruction, which is something that you and I also talk a lot about. So, but what happened last week? I had the honor of being interviewed by an internationally known uh, psychic medium, and I'm going to call this person D, just the letter D, because right now I'm not at liberty to share anything about that interview until it's closer for that interview to air on his um media sites and then I can talk about it and promote it but during that interview we discussed quite a bit of different things from the spiritual but not religious path the sacred wisdom and embracing your unique path to spirituality we talked about healing religious trauma we talked about the importance of holding space for different kinds of sacred traditions in your own spiritual path so I'm very excited about that and I was just so honored to spend time with him and I felt Seen and heard. It really was. A, he, he has such a calming and gentle presence, and um, we just really connected during that interview. And I hope that comes off when you get a chance to to listen to it. But right now, I want to just right off the outset, and I do this in the blog as well. I say, all right, all of you who are gasping and cringing a little bit, and maybe clutching your pearls, as they say, because I said I was honored to be in the presence of a psychic medium, I understand you. I have been in that place before. I have been right where you are. And why is that? Because indoctrinated beliefs are difficult for us to peel away. They can pop up at any moment. So you're listening to me and I'm talking about being interviewed by an internationally known and well-respected psychic medium. And you might be thinking, oh no, what has happened (laughs) to Rev Carla or Oh yeah, I get that because even though I was honoring my indoctrinated beliefs on the outside, I, I too would seek out alternative uh, paths to spirituality when no one else was looking. And I think that's what a lot of us do. We're going to get back to that in just a minute. But what ends up happening is if you're part of that indoctrinated belief of your religious heritage that teaches you that anything that was any spiritual gift that was outside the church. Was not of God, and basically what they're saying is, if it's not of God, then it's of something else, and it's a warning to us who were indoctrinated into this. That said, if you are taking a part of that, then you're defying the commandment of the church, and of course they'll point to all kinds of Bible verses that will tell you uh, why they're right. And I can see how effective and manipulative this kind of indoctrination is there's uh beliefs around even having tokens in your house like if you're going to celebrate halloween and you have jack-o'-lanterns or you have even spiders or ghosts that can be considered demonic because you're inviting evil spirits into your house when in reality those are pagan traditions that are related to how people celebrated uh, the end of the fall or the beginning of the fall season and heralding in the darkness now Pagan, of course, has also been so condemned and demonized over the years that people will say anything that's pagan is evil. And that is simply not true. But the church could not contain or control things that were sitting outside its control. So you had to demonize and weaponize anything that they could not control. And so that even went to things like sometimes even Santa Claus, which originates from Uh, St. Nicholas, which is a patron saint who was actually associated with the Catholic Church and yet has become demonized by some uh, Christian denominations to say that's evil because it takes away the intention of the Christmas holiday around celebration of Jesus's birthday, which of course isn't scriptural, but it's just placeholder that the church intentionally placed next to the winter solstice. To distract people from the, the what they call the pagan or the earth-based traditions, and that was that you can see that throughout the entire uh, church calendar, whether it's the spring equinox and Easter, the autumn equinox and All Souls Day and All Saints Day, these placements of these holidays, these church holidays around these traditions was very traditional. And so, there's a lot more I could say about this, where we could actually talk about the hypocrisy. Uh, that goes even deeper to this. For instance, inside the Bible, there is, there are sorcery and magic that's hidden right there in plain sight. But yet they condemn other spiritual gifts, even though they acknowledge that they're spiritual, they're saying they're, they are of demonic origin because they're outside of church control. And we'll write about that some day because I, like I said, I've been there. I knew people who were seeking out tarot card reader readers even though they were entrenched in evangelical Christianity. I myself snuck off to hear John Shelby Spong when he came to our city to speak because I was terrified that someone from my church would find me and condemn me. And I was also a little terrified because I was still in, stuck in some of that indoctrination that said, "Will I be condemned in some way? Will I be harmed?" physically or spiritually because I'm going to hear this person speak but I could not stay away from this opportunity. I knew he was aging and I'm so glad I did because you know as you know we lost um he died last year. I think he was in his 90s, but I felt like that I just needed to be in his presence and hear him speak and I'm so so glad I did. I also know a devout evangelical, a devout evangelical who uses an amulet over the bellies of pregnant women to tell the gender of the baby and she is 100% accurate she is using an amulet to do that and somehow has justified that as being her spiritual gift even though I guarantee you that 90% of the evangelical Christian uh, Christian beliefs would condemn anybody using a crystal hanging from a I'm not sure it was a crystal but anyway that energy is considered a spiritual gift that sits outside the church. Now, I do want to park here for a minute, because if you notice, I did say pregnant women. And I think this is an important conversation for those of us who are learning to deconstruct and peel back the layers layers of indoctrinated beliefs and how the, the language that we use. Now, I intentionally said pregnant women because this woman would never, ever use this amulet on anybody capable of pregnancy. So for instance, we know trans uh, trans men can become pregnant. We also know that non-binary people uh, can become pregnant. So when we talk about pregnancy, we often will say people who are capable of pregnancy to be more inclusive. Now, trans men we know they were uh, female at birth and they may not have had the gender affirming or uh, gender reassignment surgery. So of course they are capable of pregnancy and maybe someday uh, trans women may be capable of pregnancy. I know that there, I will, I will attach to articles that discuss uh uterine transplant and the progress science is making in this. But I went down this rabbit hole because I think it's important again, that we try to use inclusive language and we co- we become more comfortable with it as we do, because if you're deconstructing And you want that to be reflected in the language that you use. So people understand that your desire to deconstruct means that you see them for who they are. And that is reflected in the language that you use. So consider the words that you're using around pregnancy. So back to uh, this whole indoctrinated belief thing, I know people who also are entrenched in a conservative, fundamentalist, evangelical Christianity, even sometimes even progressive Christians will use things about, well, I, you know, I feel my father's presence, and they very well could be right, they could feel their father's presence, but where is that scriptural? Where is this, does it say that? Or you got a sign from a, a cousin Becky that died 10 years ago who liked uh, white orchids and on her birthday you walk into a store and there's all these white orchids and you just know that cousin Becky sent you that a sign to you to, as a comfort or anything or you go home and there's a uh, something's out of place that was one of your mother's and it's on the day she died and it's sitting out where you didn't leave it and you understand that somehow those are related to the ancestral connection that we may have but yet we don't reconcile those almost anecdotal beliefs or those kind of beliefs that sit outside our religious tradition we just know that they're kind of there but we don't necessarily try to reconcile them to what we are sometimes are taught in church or people that we share the, the pew with now like i said it might not be something that you share with your preacher But it's something that you hold on to as something that can be true for you because it's happened enough or you just sense enough, this intuitive knowing that comes from our soul that you know there's more about the spiritual realm, there's more about the ancestral realm that our religion heritage, heritage just hasn't been capable of explaining. And so you use these larger, broader definitions about spirituality just to be a placeholder to say, I acknowledge it. I don't understand it, but I know it's out there. I know it's something there that they're showing me a sign that and giving me comfort, that there's, there's ways that we are connected with the spiritual realm, even though we don't understand it. Okay. Like I said, we'll revisit that another day because I want to bring it back to what the time I spent with uh, Dee right after our interview. So we're just gonna take a breath and stop clutching your pur- pearls and let's go back into this. So after our time, we were speaking together off air, and of course I wanted to ask thee if he was picking up anything about my ancestors, but here's where my indoctrination came in. I felt to ask would have been rude. I was I'm a I'm a boom a child of the boomer generation. I am a boomer. And I was convinced that if I would be seen as rude, if I asked something of Dee that he hadn't offered. And so I remained silent. So we talked for a little while and Dee said, would you like to know who is with you? And I said, of course I, I would. And he proceeded to share with me that I had powerful male energy surrounding me. And I wasn't surprised, but a little taken aback because I romanticized the fact that I had such fierce, strong and courageous grandmothers that uh, were part of my life. They were part so much a part of who I was the women around me made up for the failings of the men around me. And so I, I just always hope that my grandmother's are here or my beloved aunt and and that somehow they're present or guiding me. But the people who are gifted to understand the ancestral realm or the spiritual realm have told me before that it's male energy that's around me. And the first time this happened for me is when I sought out a healer, a gifted healer who used her shamanic practices because she was indigenous native. And so she was connected to her ancestral heritage. She brought those practices into her uh, healing wisdom. And she was helping me on my path after I had left church. I just felt so confused, bitter, angry. And I was, I was seeking out her wisdom to help me understand what was going on. And she said, by the way, you have someone here with you. He's a man and he wants you to know that you are finished. He's proud of you. And he wants you to know that you're finishing the work that he and your ancestors had started. And I knew immediately, I wasn't sure who it was, but I knew that because I come from a long line of Southern Baptist pastors, I just sensed that I knew who that was. They were gifted and passionate speakers. They knew the Bible and they were very, very dedicated to what they do. And I always felt affirmed in my calling to pursue my ministry, even though my ministry looks entirely different. I also understood that once we return to that, which we came, all the things that we thought we understood about humanity fall away. And my work was still connected to them. My work that I'm doing is still connected to them in some way. And that's as far as I ever took it. I just felt seen and assured. So I started diving into my ancestral heritage at that time to see my maternal grandmother's side of the family. Cause I wanted to see like, okay, here's, here's this line. And I get it now. I see some of this here and I, I feel uh, connected to them. But this week after this interview, D had said that this came from a soul that was unfinished. And he went on to explain that oftentimes souls that don't completely manifest into the things that they were, they could have done here. They leave this realm, this physical realm as an unfinished soul, and they often will return to help guide, comfort, and inspire those that, they, that impacted them. So uh, D shared that this male had spoken very little and he knew me. And that was another big difference because none of my Southern Baptist pastors, except for one great uncle that I knew a little bit, I did not know them. So this one, he said he knew me. And he said he had much to say to me when I was a child, but he simply lacked the words. And my immediately, I went to my paternal grandfather. And it really confused me, like, because I knew that. And Dee went on to say that this person had William or Williams in his uh, surrounding him. And I so now I'm really confused because I don't have Bills, Billies, Williams, not that I knew of, again, because I had focused on my matriarchal side. So I thanked him and I sat there for a while. And I thought about this because my grandfather, he was, I was in my twenties when he died. And I will admit it as a child, he absolutely terrified. And as I grew, he just, that, that terror turned into intimidation, but really I did not have much of a connection with him. He, I think in all those times, I don't remember one sentence that he said to me. I don't have any memory other than him sitting in his chair completely immobilized, staring, not smiling and wearing the exact same outfit, black shoes, white socks, black pants, white shirt, whether it was winter, summer, black shoes, white socks, black pants, white shirt, summer called for short sleeve, winter called for long sleeve. And that was it. And when you contrast that to my grandmothers, where my gosh, I have memories of them dancing, laughing, laughing with me, teaching me their crafts. Taking me on trips, pouring into me their love for history and religion, their deaths—they absolutely gutted me. They absolutely gutted me. It changed me. I felt that void, and and as a and my inner child still aches for them. I cry for them. If I visit their graves, I will cry because I, I've missed them. Dee said that this was a man. of few words. I knew it was my grand uh, grandfather. And uh, to be honest with you, I. The what I, you know, I immediately went back to when I was a child and I thought, oh, I don't ever want to be alone with this, this man. I, he hates me. I, I knew that. Like I, he just, there was nothing. I could never figure out how I would get this uh, approval from him because there was, there was no connection. So why would I want to be alone with him? He terrified me. But the interesting thing too, is that once he said, he offered this to me, I realized I hadn't thought about my grandfathers, even though I knew them both. I hadn't thought about them for years. I put them both in the same category as people. And I'm going to be very crude when I say this is these were people in my life that I would have been better off never having known. And I, somebody out there might judge me for saying that, but the truth is that someone who acted like they, I disgusted them and the other grandfather who did physical harm to me that no other no child should ever experience no one has the right to judge how I heal from that trauma from that rejection from one uh, grandfather and that physical harm from the other here so but now here I am finding out that this this one male is who spoke a little I know who it is but once I finally was like wow what is this I click on my computer I I just look at my lineage that I've got stored on my computer. And I realize that there's a little arrow that shows underneath my grandfather's name that I never looked at um, was an arrow that indicated the way the arrow is lit told me that there was more to find out because I'm connected to other people who are doing the research. And as soon as I hit that arrow, it exploded back to a Wilhelm that there's there, it, it goes back to Germany. Um, there are four Williams in my grandmother, in my grandfather's lineage. The only place I have men named William, one of which came from, uh, whom came from Germany that now explains my fascination and my desire that this is more than just a bucket list that I've always wanted to visit Germany. Uh, two revolutionary, uh, the revolutionary War leaders that were captains so much there to unpack. The fact that my grandfather was the middle of eight boys, the the son of a of a, a woman who was known for her ferocity, for known for her cruelty. That was the woman who raised. And I, because I've heard these stories, but I just think back about how many, how all of a sudden my my awareness shifted about who my grandfather was. And how maybe some of what had impacted him, he had carried into his life experience with me and his family, because I'll be the first to, and I'm going to be give you a warning here with the language, but my, um, my aunts and my uncles and my father told me, quote, he was a mean son of a bitch. And... Knowing his mother being that the way she was, that probably is a more accurate statement than anything. And the fact that I learned that he was an unfinished soul who probably did see me as a child, but lacked the words to tell me so. He had things that he probably wanted to do. He was incredibly intelligent. We were told at least he offered that to his job. He didn't offer that to his family in any way, shape or form. He didn't pour into anyone in any way, he didn't leave a legacy with his kids or his grandkids or anything. But for the first time in my life, I'm wondering what immobilized him. Was it fear? Was it just lack of motivation? Was it bitterness? Was it depression? And I started to see him now that I'm 60. And thinking back about this, I'm not looking at him no more through the place where I had frozen him in time, where I was a little girl, I was now seeing that that anger that he just he showed to us could have arisen from a dark space within him that had nothing to do with us. I'm not excusing anything that he did. He did hurt people. Ask my aunts and and uncles and my father, ask my grandmother when she was alive and they divorced and the stories that she shared with me probably more than she should have with a granddaughter. But I know that that was part of her healing journey just to tell that story. And like I said, I told you this was going to be long and the blog is longer I'm I'm glossing over some of this, but some things starting to make sense. Like I see those leaders in my past that see my ability, like to start a nonprofit by looking at how you're going to swim upstream to stop the issue, how we're going to build this ministry so that other people can come along. I see that now in the leaders that are part of the DNA that flows through, through me But here's the most important thing about DNA. I think I understand, and this is something I'm coming from a very vulnerable place here as I share this, that I have the propensity to plunge into an abyss of depression. And it can leave me paralyzed and hopeless. I hadn't realized how much I actually carry some of my grandfather's DNA with me. He must have known I was scared of him. He had to have, and I'm, I'm sure he did because he did not know, even though he knew I was afraid of him, he still did not know how to reach across that divide to connect with me. I know he was aware that my grandmother was bitter towards him and feared him. I also know that his second wife, my step-grandmother, grandmother, who I knew, who was still married to me when he died, how frustrated And disappointed she was in the reality of their relationship because he just continued that behavior so much so he never, again, black shoes, white socks, black pants, white shirt, sat in that same chair so much that he wore the carpet out from underneath. And there was a sense of my obligation that I felt as the oldest grandchild that I needed to try to somehow connect with him, so I would sit with him for maybe three minutes, five minutes, and then go off into the living room or sit in the front porch with my step grandmother, who would tell, like, I don't, I don't know how to get to him. This is what he does. This is who he is. He never exercised. He never did. I don't know if there anything in life brought him joy. He didn't change when he married her. He just switched rooms in his life and continued the same behavior. I don't know how you come back to life when your life has debilitated you. How do you change when those around you remind you that you're just a mean son of a bitch? Why try? Again, I'm not excusing who he was. And I may understand it a little bit more now, but I am now ready to speak about my own moments when I spiral into the darkness and the importance of finding your way back to the light. Because I will tell you this, that who is in your circle must be sacred and must believe in you and push out anyone who would ever weaponize your depression, your bipolar disorder, your anxiety. They cannot be trusted no matter what is happening, no matter what conflicts they cannot be trusted. If they throw it back in your face. And I often wonder about my grandfather who knew that when we looked at him, we only saw him through the eyes of our own bitterness, our own disappointment. I don't think he had the capacity to return to the light. I don't know that he ever felt it. I don't know that he ever knew what life could be beyond with pure joy, because he never experienced it. I hope someplace along the line he did. But I know that I do find my way out of that abyss. I claw out of it. And I know my life is waiting for me and the people who love me. I don't know why my grandfather couldn't. I don't know why he didn't fight harder. I don't know why he didn't change. And I may never know these questions on this side of of heaven. And that's a phrase I use for embracing the mystery of our returning to that from which we came. I may no longer believe in the heaven of my religious heritage, but I do believe we came from love. And love is what we return to. And apparently we get when we get there, we are able to reach through this sacred portal to this life and guide those who are still here. So let go of your pearls. So especially it seems that the unfinished souls are the ones who show up. I don't know where this journey with my grandfather would take me. I don't obsess over it. I don't have to try to understand it. But as I close this time with you here. And as I close the blog, I am grateful that I accepted the invitation to embrace more of the DNA that runs through this body. I was able to reconcile something with my grandfather. I know a little bit more about who I am. And I hope that makes me more of a finished soul. Blessed be. Now, as I said, my interview with Dee will air sometime in November. Okay, beloveds, I'm honored to be in this space with you. And I pray you received something. I know I did because the teacher teaches what she needs to hear. And now, beloveds, go in peace and be at peace. Go in love and may you be loved. Go and know that others are on this journey with you and you are not alone. You are seen and deeply and unconditionally loved just the way you are. Blessings on your week and I will see you soon. listening, be sure to like and subscribe to Spirituality Matters wherever you listen podcasts. You can watch the uncut version of today's episode on YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe to Rev Carla's channel for more videos. Submit questions for upcoming Q&A videos or topics of discussion to Spirituality Matters at RevCarla.com. As always, follow at Rev on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Pinterest for more spirituality teachings. Bye for now.